Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. From KCBS Radio, I'm Mallory Samara. And for Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Monday, August 8th. It's no secret that the cost of living, especially rent in the Bay Area, is astronomical, and some people feel it more than others. It's caused somewhat of an exodus, especially now that those lucky enough to work from home can do so without the exhaustive commute, which is also a wallet drainer. But it's not just remote workers. The very refugees and asylum seekers that migrate to the Bay Area in cities like Oakland, embraced for more progressive policies and diverse communities, they're leaving too driving them to a constant state of relocation, of ephemeral belonging. The challenges that push anyone outside of, you know, an urban center and force anyone to move are that much more impactful for someone who is already a member of a vulnerable population, including refugees. In a recent piece from the local publication Oakland Side, one writer slash researcher and postdoc highlighted this very issue. I'll let her introduce herself. Her research focus is pretty cool. Sure. So my name is Robin Buller. I am a Canadian expat who sort of relocated to California almost four years ago. Um, And I'm a historian by training. So I study the history of migration Generally speaking, but I really focus on in my current research, Ottoman Jewish migrants who left the Middle East and settled in France about 100 years ago. Um, so it's a it's a different focus than what my Oakland side article looked into. But there are some some similar questions. The title of the piece is Refugees Feel the Pull and Push of Oakland, which explains how refugees new to the country find community here, but the high and ever-rising cost of living pushes them out. I sat down with her to discuss her research. Where are refugees in Oakland coming from, mostly? So refugees are coming to Oakland from all over the world. Um, You know, we historically here in Oakland have been a refugee hub. Just in the last 50 years, there are sort of multiple waves of of refugees that have contributed um, to the diversity that we have in the city now. Uh, You know, starting perhaps with 
the decolonization um, crises and the U.S. war in Vietnam causing refugees to come here from Southeast Asia. Um, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan caused a wave of refugees in the 1980s and sort of continuing into the 1990s. Refugees from the Cambodian genocide settled here in Oakland. And then more recently, there have been refugee populations um, making Oakland their home, coming from Eritrea, Ethiopia, Burma, um, Myanmar, especially in the last in the last year after the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan, I guess pretty much exactly a year ago this month, we've had several hundred, I think over 600 now refugees um, settling here in Afghanistan who have come through the refugee resettlement agencies. So could you break down for me why Oakland is such a popular destination for for refugees. So to, I think, like directly quote one of the aid workers that I spoke with, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> many refugees, those who are able to choose where they will land, some people are assigned to come to Oakland um, by agencies. But for those who choose to come to Oakland, many come to Oakland for the same reasons that anyone might move to Oakland, even someone coming from within the U.S. Job opportunities, diversity and progressive politics are a big thing. Even the weather is a big draw. You know, that's that's something that is real, really appealing to people. But the most important thing, as far as I understand, that brings refugees to Oakland is the existence of a of a community here. Um, so you mentioned the community of Afghans who have been here now for several decades. The presence of an Afghani community really draws in um, newcomers and just makes it so that people are able to sort of imagine building a life here. You know, having a community isn't just about being around people who have had similar experiences as you have, although that's certainly important. The fact that you can share a background in a language with someone means that they can help you, you know, navigate the complexities of finding a job, of finding housing, of finding childcare. Um, those things are really important. In your article, you mention uh, a couple of refugee communities whose stark relocation numbers kind of stood out to you, one of which is the Bhutanese refugee community. Um, could you explain why they came here and what is happening to that community, like number-wise? So the Bhutanese refugee population is sort of a really interesting case study, I think, in what draws people to the Bay Area and what is now... Um, really pushing people out and causing refugees to to ultimately leave um, Oakland and, and the East Bay for more affordable places. So sort of in the mid-aughts and um, sort of really gathering speed around 2010, uh, several thousand Bhutanese refugees settled here and really sort of found community here, built community here, created uh, sort of like refugee and community associations to find opportunities, get on their feet. And so there really certainly was this intention of, of building a long lasting community here. Um, and I was able to speak with one member of that community who himself arrived, um, I believe it was in 2012. And he arrived as a young man in Oakland. He described it as, you know, a really 
a great place to live, but even from 2012 onward, an expensive place to live. Um, he lived in a multi-generational household. He and his family moved between several apartments during their, their years in Oakland and, you know, faced rising rent prices and, and those sorts of challenges that so many people, but especially the most vulnerable populations in the Bay Area face. And he also explained to me that members of the Bhutanese population were often working in the service industry. And so when the pandemic hit uh, in 2020 and, you know, lockdown orders were put in place, restaurants closed, his community was really disproportionately affected and people were out of work. You know, they were able to receive the unemployment assistance that all Californians were able to get. Um, but it, it really wasn't enough. The rent here is is so high that getting $400 or $500 a month, however much it was, that wasn't able to, to sustain them um, and to enable them to continue to pay their rent. So ultimately, he, but also, you know, hundreds of other Bhutanese refugee families decided sort of collectively to, to leave the Bay Area. And um, he's part of a group that has now resettled in in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, of all places. Um, wow. And they're That's pretty far from here. It's pretty far from here. Yeah. It certainly doesn't have, as he explained to me, the same weather draw as Oakland has. But it offers affordable housing. It offers job opportunities. And it really offers community because he and his family didn't just choose to move anywhere. They chose to move to another place where they know that there would be fellow Bhutanese refugees. You know, he's I mean, he's described to me that they're able to have much more space um, during the pandemic. It sounded like people were really sort of getting into each other's space um, as, as we all experienced. And so, you know, that's great. But he also told me that um, if it weren't for the economic pressures, they'd still be in Oakland. Yeah. And that kind of brings me, I mean, I was going to ask this question, but you answered it is, you know, how the COVID-19 pandemic uniquely impacted Asian refugees. And it's because they, a lot of them were working in the service industry. Yeah, I think, I think Asian refugees, but also other refugee populations too. And I mean, I only sort of spoke to him about the Bhutanese refugee population, but I know from speaking with other refugee aid workers that especially among the Afghan refugee population, many, um, ultimately started sort of working in the gig economy. And that sort of became the best way that they could guarantee some sort of income, although it still isn't enough to pay for, you know, the enormous cost of living that Oakland has. But um, it also enabled them to, you know, take care of their family as their kids were home from school during lockdowns. Um, and as they might have other family members, perhaps elderly parents or partners who might not be able to, you know, go to the grocery store if they were a one car family. So the flexibility of driving Uber or delivering for, um, you know, some kind of grocery delivery app enabled them to do that. And you brought up a another aspect of this um, in your article. How does a person's residential status as a refugee asylum seeker, you know, how does that title, how does their status change the way that they're treated 
um, and how successful they are at, at staying somewhere that is as expensive as the Bay Area. That's sort of the biggest disparity is the difference between people who have legal status or are awaiting legal status and those who don't. Um, one difference, though, between what refugees, legal refugees, I should say, are able to um, access and what asylees and people who are awaiting status are not is is employment. So because refugees arrive here with a green card, they're able to seek legal employment right away. Um, whereas people who are awaiting approval are also waiting what's called an EAD or employment authorization document. And Anyone who has gone through this process over the last couple of years, myself included, uh, as, a, as a Canadian immigrant who is waiting for my green card, knows that it takes so long to get your green card. We're talking often well over a year. And so for particularly vulnerable populations, for asylum seekers who are you know, awaiting the ability to work for months and months, this can be really devastating. That's a lot of expenses that rack up in a year and then you're already behind. It's a lot of expenses, especially for, as you mentioned, often multi-generational households. Um, and and for people who, as the aid workers I talked to emphasized, are also dealing with significant trauma usually. So they're already having a really, a really challenging time just emotionally in terms of mental health. Um, and so the added stress of a lack of stable income is extremely challenging. The people who work in this sector really emphasize to me and that I think is really important to emphasize is that as refugees move out of urban centers or out of, of a place like Oakland, that means that Oakland is losing all of the benefits that refugees and these immigrants bring to the local community. You know, refugees and immigrants enrich our local communities. They bring so much. It's part of what, you know, has has made Oakland what it is. And so we should really care about the fact that refugees are are having to leave and aren't able to stay here. Um, it's it's something that will negatively affect our community, whether we are refugees or not. And it's one thing, you know, for us to sort of have signs outside our houses that say refugees welcome. And it's another thing for us to enact policy and create infrastructure that will really make it possible for people to stay and build lasting lives here. Based on my reporting, what we can do that would be really, really helpful is increase um, not only the amount of affordable housing that's available, although that's huge, but also for refugees specifically, um, create designated transitional housing. Special thanks to UC Berkeley postdoc Robin Buller for chatting with me about this ever important topic. New episodes are out every day, and we'd love to be a part of your daily routine. Please subscribe to Bay Current on the Odyssey app or just about anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube on the KCBS Radio YouTube page. That's it for today's Bay Current. I'm Mallory Samara from Matt Pittman. We'll chat with you again tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.